Straight Talk Faithful. Your host, your boy, George Bakai, back in studio again today. Pre-recorded as always. And man, do I got a good one. I've been a fan of this man for a very long time. I reached out to him on Instagram after getting my head out of my butt and thinking maybe I could take a shot. Maybe he'll want to come on the show. He was gracious. He completely accepted it. Please welcome to the show, the hacker, Scotty O'Shea. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for reaching out. I'm the exact same way as a fellow podcaster. I know how intimidating it can be just to uh, throw out that rope and hoping somebody grabs. But more, uh, the more I do it, the more I learn that people are more than happy to do podcasts. It's just a matter of the interviewer itself uh, reaching out. And I got that exact same problem. I get it, man. You know what? You just don't want to slide into anybody's DMs because you're like, ah, oh, they're yeah. probably busy. They got a life. I don't want to impose, but... Like I said at the beginning of the show, you were super gracious, and I'm just I'm honored to have you on the show because I've been a fan of yours for quite some time, and I can't wait to have this conversation today. I'm super excited for this one. Me too, man. I love hearing that, and I just love uh, I, I get jazzed up about people that just love pro wrestling. So, oh, I'm one of those people. I've been a fan since I was like five. Probably came out of my mom's womb rocking a title belt. I'm almost positive. I haven't found any pictures to prove that. But I'm, I'm hoping it happens. I'm hoping it happens. <laughs> so, Scotty, one of the first questions I always ask is, I call it the defining moment. It's that moment when you remember falling in love with this business that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I got one, actually. Uh, I, I have, like, I have a few jumbled up memories, but this is the one that always stands out to me. Uh, I was about five years old, five or six years old, and I remember going into my cousin's basement, and he was on the couch, and I was behind the couch, so I could only see the TV in front of him, and I walked in, and it was like a big blur on the screen, but all I remember was a giant orange triangle and two guys fighting on it, and then the more I watched, the like more clear it all became, and I realized, oh, that one guy's got long hair, that other guy's got black greasy hair. And it was only, it was years later when I realized it was the SummerSlam 95 ladder match, the rematch for WrestleMania 10 between Michaels and Razor Ramon. And I remember that instant, not even knowing what it is, but being so interested and intrigued. I don't even know if it was called pro wrestling, but when I heard pro wrestling, I like, when I finally heard somebody explain to me what the WWF was, I immediately made the connection with what I first saw, and I was in love with it already. It's a very strange thing looking back. You know what? It's not. I mean, a lot of people have memories and moments like that. For me, mine was um, I watched a bootleg copy of the Super Jimmy Superfly Snooka fight for Madison Square Garden when he jumped off the top. It was at my uncle's house. It was Christmas time. We watched it, and I was instantaneously hooked. I Like I said, I was about four or five when I watched that match, and I can remember it vividly and clearly, and all I remember is thinking, man, I want to have some leopard underwear, and I just want to jump off shit. That was pretty much my goal when I was five years old. So in doing all the preparation I always do for my interviews, I always like to do my research. Like I said, I've been a fan of yours for a while. I discovered you about three years ago when I started getting into the indie scene right before I started this podcast. And after, oh, really? Yeah, and you've been around for quite some time. If I'm not mistaken, if my research is correct, and now remember, the internet does always not tell the truth. Uh, you <laughs> debuted in 2003, so you've been going strong for 17 years? Yeah, well, there, there's an asterisk to it. So I started wrestling training when I was 13, uh, but there was a commission and all that at that point. So you couldn't wrestle until you were 18 because you had to have a license back then. 
And then in 2006, when I turned 16, the Pro Wrestling Commission of Ontario just died. So all of a sudden, the floodgates were open, and anything could happen. You didn't need a license. You didn't need to be of age. If you could get booked, you were on a show. So I've been wrestling. I've been taking bumps regularly since I was 13 years old. But I, even though I worked exhibition shows when I was 13, so it was still in front of a crowd. It was a bigger crowd than most shows I work now, to be perfectly honest. But since they were an exhibition show, I don't know if you can really count it. But regardless, you, it's since 2006, so 14 years if we want to get super serious. But altogether, I've been bumping nonstop for 17 years. That's incredible, man. I mean, in this day and age, you hear about careers being cut short. You hear about lifespan of careers being taken away. And we're going to get into some of my favorite matches with you. And one of them in particular is, well, they're, they're incredible. But these are, it was hard to really narrow it down. But these four, I felt told the best stories. I felt were the strongest. And the one I want to get into right away, obviously I think you already know where I'm going with this, is your feud with Brett Banks. You guys Oh, have, yeah. You guys had... He's the fucking best, man. Yeah. I reached out to him actually recently, too. He said he'd let me know, so I'm hoping to get him on the show soon. Uh, shout out to Brett Banks, though, if he's listening. Cause Fuck he... Brett Banks. Can I swear on this? Sorry. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, your feud, there's so many great moments, so many great matches, the incredible things you guys were doing, the camera work of Smash, everything, the story you told, and how long that feud really, really built up. But, I mean, my all-time favorite match of yours is kind of, I guess, when it culminated or when it came to a close end was the first ever ambulance match that we had here in Canada. I mean, that's that's huge. That's a big deal. That's a part of wrestling history here in our great country. And that match was literally, hands down, a 25-minute-plus, I think it was closer to 27 minutes, just a, a, an absolute war. It was a disgusting, beautiful masterpiece of aggression and anger and it culminated with everything from steel chairs to ladders i believe there was a ring bell and it ended all with jimmy corderas raising your hand after you shoved brank banks in that ambulance and we closed that garage door <laughs> yeah we went way over time in that match that's what i remember i think we had like 12 to 15 and because if i remember correctly too that show was like ridiculously stacked i'm pretty sure the young bucks were in like the second match mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was a crazy time and uh i remember that all started because um sebastian suave the kayfabe promoter of smash wrestling the worst kept secret in pro wrestling uh he approached he approached me and brent at one point and just said like how do you guys want to blow this off is this a kayfabe podcast by the way uh, we pretty much don't really, we appreciate KFA for what it is, but we understand the business. We know what's behind closed doors. It's all good. Yeah, okay, good. It's all good. Cause I, I, I'm the worst <laughs> with it. I just talk like a regular human being. Um, yeah. So he asked us what we'd want the blow off to be. And I think I said stretcher match originally, because I remember, uh, downloading off like Kazda and LimeWire clips of the RVD versus Sabu stretcher match when they just do like insane stuff on the stretcher and I wanted to redo that with Brent and then that somehow evolved into an ambulance match which I thought was more outrageous so uh, I remember putting it together we had a ton of ideas uh, we were told on the show day we'd have three tables we'd have a huge ladder or something we were promised a bunch of things and then a few things fell through so we had like no tables I had to run to the dollar store during the show to get thumbtacks and they all had, like, purple ends to them and stuff. So I thought that really was a little comical for this blood feud we're in, as it looks like we're rolling around in confetti. 
And I remember we only had the ambulance for like a half an hour. I remember right as our match was starting, they lifted the garage door and the ambulance backed up. And it was literally like they were there for 30 minutes whether we were done our stuff or not. So by the end of the match, I throw Brent in. Like, we go way over time. I finally throw Brent in. They close the doors. And Brent tells me they literally drive him around the corner and just tell him to get the hell out. And then he has to walk back to the venue, sweaty and shirtless, in the middle of winter. Like, I got to the back, and he was already there. And I thought he was being driven away. It was a great time. Brent, Brent is the best. That... Absolutely. I mean, and it's moments like that that you really got to appreciate this business for what it's for because people don't understand the kind of hoops that, you know, indie promotions got to jump through. But like you just mentioned, you went to the dollar store to get thumbtacks. Yeah, they look like something Barney shit out of his ass, but it worked. You know what I mean? There was. Oh, and that, that's another thing. It was uh, with the ladder because we were promised the tables and they weren't there. I feel like we were promised something else and it didn't show up. And literally, like, as the match before us was coming back through the curtain. Somebody said, oh, there's a giant ladder you guys are allowed to use. And I can't hear something like that and just not use it if it's available. So, like, there's a weird frog splash spot in the match. Like, we fight around the ambulance for a long time, and then we come back to the ring, and it's solely so I can hit a frog splash off the ladder. Like, it was really crowbarred into a match that was already full of shit already. But you know what, though? It was fluid. And I think that is a compliment to both you and Brent for how well you guys told the story. And like I said, that I mean, that was voted feud of the year that year. So, I mean, you could tell the hard work that you guys did. It paid off. It was, yeah, it, yeah. you could see how invested the crowd was. I mean, at the end, they're yelling, this is smash, this is smash. For what reason? For the two of you guys just literally leaving it all out there in the ring. And that's Yeah, a, it was a fun time, man. Brent, Brent, like, I can't put over Brent enough. He is underrated still, and he's, and, like, people are noticing him, but he's still the most underrated guy. He's amazing. Him and Alessandro Del Bruno, the two best wrestlers in Canada. Oh, Alessandro Del Bruno, I've had him on the show. He's an absolute blast. We talked a lot about uh, we talked a lot about him because uh, he's full Italian. I'm half Italian, so we talked a lot about food and a lot about how the fact that he looks like he's never eaten a full Italian meal in his life, whereas <laughs> I, look, I look like I've eaten about 60. So <laughs> kudos to the, uh, as I like to call him, the original Canadian Guido. That's that's my that. that's my nickname for Alessandro. So another one of my favorite matches, and this features one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. But this was from any given Sunday. This is Kevin Steen and the great Tyson Dukes versus Johnny Gargano and yourself. And it was a tag oh, match. Yeah. And man, like I cannot list your accolades enough. How impressive you've been in the ring with, with, with stars like this, like future superstars, and you yourself are a star. I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from you in any, any aspect, man. But, I mean, you're in there with three of, I mean, Tyson Dukes is a Canadian legend. You yourself, in my opinion, are a great Canadian legend. And then you got Kevin Steen and Johnny Gargano. Like, I mean, it's a recipe for nothing but absolute entertainment and success. And you guys wrestled all over that place. There's a spot where you're, standing next and you're fighting right in front of the commentary which is behind two old school arcade machines and an air hockey table in the corner like yeah we got i got in a lot of trouble for that match because um there's probably instances of it in the ambulance match as well but like before you go through the curtain on like any kind of hardcore match or any kind of gimmick match like before you go through the curtain on a, a normal match you're always like all right be safe have fun but then any kind of time there's, like, a gimmick allowed and you're allowed to fight in the crowd, 
there's always a little more like, all right, guys, let's protect ourselves. Let's not get reckless. I have this habit of when I'm allowed to get reckless, I go too far. I've gotten smashed, kicked out of like, almost kicked out of like four venues. Uh, and that was a match like, uh, we got in sh- well, I got in shit because I threw a garbage can over like four rows of people that hit Kevin Steen. And uh, it was a great, it was an amazing time though. I think, I don't know what happened that night, but something like, I think Gargano and Steen were supposed to wrestle in singles and Steen was, Steen's back was all messed up so he couldn't do it. So then we got thrown into it last minute. I don't even know. I may have already worked that day. I can't remember. But it was a, it was a chaotic show again. But like a lot of fun. Like Kevin Steen's always been good to me. Uh, I ripped off the control of the league cannonball from him. Uh, he, he, we were both wrestling in C4 in Ottawa when he did it. And I, like, I, I was kind of trying to make it a move of my own here in, like, uh, southern Ontario. So I went up to him, like, all cowardly and just asked if it was okay. I did it. And I just remember his advice was just, I don't care if you fucking do it. I probably won't see it. And if I do see it, just try to make it look better than mine. And now that's what I always tell people that ask me if they want to, if they can use one of the moves that I might do. I'm just like, you're going to do it. Feel free. Just make it look better than mine. Let's talk about the character for a second. The hacker Scott sure. Shay. I mean, there's so many layers to this character. You come out sometimes in, in those glasses, the outrageous, uh, the, the leotards with, you know, the emoji face with the glasses, the taped up kind of nerdy thing. But then you get in the ring and it's nothing like the persona. The persona smiles, yeah. kind of likes to have fun. But when you get in the ring, it's complete darkness. And then there is another layer where the character is nothing but darkness. You've come out in a gas mask. You've come out in that, that scary-looking black mask. Like, you've been all over with this. There's so many layers to this character. So talk to me about that for a second. Talk to me about the origin of the hacker, where it all began. Uh, well, the hacker, like, um, it's a total ripoff. Um, there was an original hacker who wrestled Ontario probably closer to 20 years ago now. And uh, he was way better than me. His name was Josh Lesser. He's a, the most gentleman dude I've ever met. And uh, I was a big fan of his before I got into wrestling, even as I was wrestling. But he had to uh, call it quits years ago. And I remember I was, at the time, I was just Scotty O'Shea. I was looking for some kind of anything just to attach my name to, get a little substance to. And I was talking to Bloody Bill Scullion on Facebook Messenger. And at the time, I had those 3D glasses with the lens popped out as my Facebook profile picture. I was just goofing around with friends. And I was talking to Bloody Bill, who's always been great to me, and just about character ideas. And he said, you kind of look like the hacker in your profile picture. And as soon as he said it, it just sparked something in me because I was a huge fan of his before he quit. And uh, me being like an undersized underdog baby face, I knew I could take that gimmick, put my own spin on it, and kind of like really sink my teeth into it. So I reached out. I got Josh's original hacker's blessing. And from there, I just, I worked it more. He, he used the gimmick as kind of an evil computer genius, whereas um, I know next to nothing about computers. That's a total, like, uh, it's all bullshit on my end, but I do know about just being an undersized pro wrestler, so I'd use it as that guy and try to channel something like that. And it really worked well as a babyface. Like, it, it did wonders. Uh, it finally gave me something that people could remember me by and not just being the skinny fat kid in the ring who tries to do a moonsault every once in a while. And then from there, like everything, evolution is key. 
uh, it just evolved into more things. And I realized I'm not really a computer hacker. And uh, so I was just kind of steering further away from that. Uh, I'm an asshole in real life, whether you laugh at it or uh, I laugh at you. I get called an asshole all the time. So I was like, why don't I just lean into that a little more? And it's just kind of evolved into multiple things, and it's going to keep evolving. You know what? I mean, I think you and I are developing a very quick bromance because I get the whole I'm an asshole thing all the time. My wife, <laughs> my wife tells me that on a given basis. Like, I have the driest sense of humor. I, I can remember a story where, I mean, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but I'm going to say it anyways because I feel this special connection between you and I. I was at Bramley City Center in Brampton where I live, and there was yep. an older gentleman coming down the stairs with a cane. And three steps down, right before the end, he decides to walk off. His cane got stuck. And he tumbled forward, but he literally hit this fat kid as he came down, and he cracked his ice cream. And it's hilarious. It's completely hilarious. And I was literally crying in tears going up the escalator. And my wife was there. She was holding our, at the time, two-year-old daughter, who's now 10 years old and driving me crazy. And she looked at me. She goes, are you serious? She goes, that poor man. I go, yeah, but the fat kid with the ice cream. Did you not see the fat kid with the ice cream? That sounds like a family circus comic strip right there. Of course it's hilarious. It is. And and she just, she looked at me. She goes, he's not fat. I go, babe, that kid is 12 years old and he's got to weigh at least 300 pounds. I hope, <laughs> I hope he finds himself very soon because else we're going to see him on my 600 pound life very, very soon. <laughs> and she was just so embarrassed. She walked about 20 yards away from me and I was still giggling. I was giggling the whole car ride home. That's how amazing that story is to me. So I get it. Everything is funny. I think it's. Uh, I think being silly and inappropriate at almost all times is, you know, the secret to life. And sometimes that gets misconstrued as being an asshole. And if that's the truth, so be it. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, especially in this day and age, with all the stuff going around, uh, with this COVID nineteen stuff, and not knowing where the new normal is going to be. I do want to ask something, though, because this episode is going to drop in June. Um, but when and if the world gets back to normal, say, by July and August, and we're allowed to have some kind of a summer, is there a show that you might have been booked on that you don't know if it's going to be canceled yet in and around that time that you might be looking forward to getting into the gate in July or August? If there's something oh. about coming down the gate? You're putting me on the spot. I can't... <laughs> like, this is where uh, I have to look at my notes, but... Uh... How do I try not to piss off every promoter? Um, I'll just—I was looking forward to every show in July and August. Not one really stands out. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know what I had though because I haven't looked in forever. But I've been—I um, returned to Superkick this past year, and that's been a blast. That's been a spot I've been trying to get back into for a while, and finally I'm back into. And uh, those shows are unlike any I've ever worked. So the sooner we can get this all so taken care of. Uh, and the sooner those shows can get back, uh, the better. Also, it's just, uh, I'm just ready to get back out there. I'm having way too much free time. This is the longest I've gone without wrestling in 17 years. Uh, I'm just jonesing for anything. Book me for your bar mitzvah, birthday party, circumcision. I'll be there. Put up a ring. I don't even need a ring. Oh, just book me in a match. Pin me, pay me. I love it. That's, that's the best thing I heard. Book me, pin me, pay me. Booyah. That's it. The one B and two P's. <laughs> so another match I do want to talk about because this features you and one of my other favorite individuals in the Canadian wrestling scene. This is you versus Tarek. This oh, was yeah. back, I think this, I want to say, I'm not sure the month, but this was 
I believe sometime in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> I mean, what can I say? Tarek is another underrated guy. He's a guy that I've seen him wrestle only once in Kingston uh, in person, but I've seen so many clips of him online. Uh, we're actually Facebook friends. He plays a lot of video games. I comment on stuff. He likes my comments. Uh, and, again, I'm still a little bit too nervous to try to reach out to him, but I'll get over that eventually. But this match is so hard-hitting on both sides. And I feel like it's because, I mean, breaking kayfabe, whatever. You guys are probably pretty tight backstage. So, I mean, as the old cliche goes, when you're in the ring with a friend or a longtime colleague, one of those great dance partners, you tend to hit, your, hit the other opponent a little bit more harder every single time. And I don't know what it is, but in this match, I can feel those punches. Even watching them five years later, I can still feel how hard they hurt. You know, Tarek's like, for one, he's like low-key one of the funniest guys ever. Uh, you don't see it so much. Like, it's not his character at all backstage. He's literally like one of the funniest guys ever. And he's super hard-hitting. And uh, we're two guys whose styles just, um, ever since like the first time we wrestled, we just realized our really well so the creativity really flows uh, and like you said we're really good friends so that kind of you're willing to put your neck out there literally more uh for somebody and yeah he's like another guy um it was probably about five years ago he started to tweak his character a little bit and uh change his style and it's just done him wonders uh, he's like the hardest hitting wrestler possibly in Canada now, maybe all of North America. His strikes are awesome. His matches are awesome. He's got a move set that stands out. He's got a look that stands out. He's great. Like, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure what match you're talking about, but I've never had one with Tarek Wood I didn't like. So I can only imagine it was one of those ones. And I, I'm very hard on myself. I don't like watching my stuff. Typically, my matches with Tarek, I can always... I'll never watch it, but I can watch highlights from it and be pretty happy with it. That's an interesting point, and it brings me to another question. I've heard you're not the first wrestler I've heard say it's always like, "Oh, I just I hate watching myself back." Is that I've always asked the question, I always get a different answer. It's almost kind of like the politically correct answer, but I feel like with you, I'll get the more open and honest answer. Is that because you're just self conscious of your abilities, or just because of the fact that you don't you don't feel like you could have given it your all, or is there maybe another layer to it? I think when I watch my matches, I think I'm the worst professional wrestler that's ever walked into a ring. Uh, I'll only watch matches if it was terrible and, like, laughably terrible, because then I can actually enjoy it. If I thought I had a great match, I'm for sure not watching it, because you're going to watch it, and then you're going to realize, wow, it wasn't as good as I thought. It's going to take the initial uh, feeling away. Uh, I'm just... I can't stand watching my matches. I, and I heard once that Ric Flair said, I never watched my matches back. I, ne I didn't have to rewatch it. I was out there doing it. And to compare myself to the greatest professional wrestler of all time, Ric Flair, yeah, I'll, I'll do that too. I'll just, that's kind of my excuse. I don't enjoy watching my matches, so I don't go out of my way. I know a lot of guys, like, a lot of people like to vanity search themselves and stuff. And it's just, that's just not me. Uh, a lot of people think I'm bullshitting when I say it too. Uh, I, if, I, if I was to make a list of my favorite pro wrestlers, like Hacker Scotty O'Shea would be on like the 38th page. I try to be my favorite. It just never happens. But So I guess my goal now is just to wrestle and to possibly be somebody else's favorite. Uh, I wrestle a style that myself as a fan I think I like. But whenever I watch full matches of mine, I just I can't stop critiquing it. So, yeah, really it comes down to I don't enjoy it, so I don't watch it. It's not a... Uh, yeah, 
it's not that I think I'm too good to watch my match. It's, it's nothing like that. It's just if I die one day and I go to hell and my own personal hell is watching my best of DVD on loop, I would think that is about the worst death anybody could ever have. You know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's genuine. It's the honest answer. It's the fact that um, there's no need to vanity search yourself. You were out there doing it. And I don't think it's cliche to mention Ric Flair at all. I think anybody that steps in the ring, I think anybody that puts their lives on the line for a crowd of five people or 3,000 people or 30,000 people, they all earn my respect because they put on shows for something that I love. My, myself and my wife are huge wrestling fans. It's actually one of the first things we clicked on when we met. Uh, we got our oh, wow. we got our ten year old daughter hooked on it. Oh, my wife could school you, bro. Her knowledge is ridiculous, and I've I've been a fan for thirty years, and I have so much um, useless knowledge of wrestling. But my wife's knowledge is incredible, and the funny thing is, is that she was a fan when it wasn't common for a lot of females to be fans. And whenever you oh, saw, yeah. she would go to it like she met. Uh, she told me this one story where she met um, before he passed away, Randy Macho Man Savage at a uh, Zeller's. In Brampton, he was, oh, wow. down, he was down. Yeah, Zellers. That's how we're aging ourselves. Sorry, babe. I'm sorry. I'm apologize. <laughs> but we're aging ourselves. And she was in line with her little brother, and somebody, somebody behind her, a couple of uh, guys were like, "Oh, she's just here because you know he's macho man. He's got the muscles." And she's turned around. She goes, "No, I'm here because of WrestleMania three, and I want to ask him about that match with Ricky Steamboat." Oh wow! Eh? So she, she's legit. She's legit. And the guys just kind of looked at her like, "Damn!" And she's like, "Yeah, watch your fucking mouth." I may be, you know, a smoking hot female, but I respect the business and I understand it and I love it. And that was one of the first things that we clicked on was her absolute amazing wrestling knowledge and the fact that I definitely married well, well above my capabilities. I lucked oh, out. I hear that. I lucked out yeah. completely. Uh, I, to this day, scratch my head and wonder how I got her. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I got her. I knocked her up now with two kids. She's not going anywhere. So it matters. <laughs> you got the law involved now. You, she ain't leaving. That's it. That's right. I put a ring on it. I did everything I was supposed to do. I followed the rules of Beyonce. I put a ring on it. <laughs> God damn it. Um, one of my last matches I want to talk about, and then I'll ask a couple more questions. But this interview's been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, hey, anytime, man. One of my other favorite matches of you is from Super Showdown 6. This is you versus another one of my, uh, uh, a newcomer to me, a favorite of mine, uh, Kevin Blackwood. Uh, oh, yeah. This, this was, again, every match of yours is, it, to me, it's a beautiful, disgusting menagerie of pain and pleasure, all mixed into <laughs> one. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. But seriously, hands down, this match has to be um, what I consider to be your most fluid, your most... Um, uh, possible, I, I think personally you and Kevin Blackwood have a chemistry much like you and Tarek do. I think your fluidity is just incredible. And this match is something that I find very special. And even before I, I did my research on you, uh, this was a match I always watched. I love going to Smash oh. Wrestling page on YouTube, and I've watched it literally for the last two years. And it's one of my top five indie matches of all time. And that's, that's 100% the truth, no bullshit. So talk to me about Kevin Blackwood and how well you two mesh. Well, first off, thank you for that compliment. And that right there, that's kind of, that's what I wrestle for. I wrestle for other people to enjoy it. I don't need to watch it if I get compliments like that. So I really do appreciate it. But yeah, me and Kevin, uh, we just had a really fun little run together. It was uh, a lot of speed bumps in between. But me and Kev, uh, it, we just, he's another guy. Like, first time I met him, we got along and then, like, I think we wrestled a six-man scramble the first time we ever wrestled. And 
we only briefly did a few things together, but it was just one of those moments where it's just everything he's saying, I have something that goes with it. And that doesn't always happen. Uh, sometimes you just, uh, your brain's not working great that day. Sometimes you're just a little slow, whatever it may be. But anytime me and Kevin ever wrestled, um, it just, it, things really clicked. I think our best match actually was at ESW uh, a couple years ago in front of, inside of a barn that, uh, I'm not sure where it was, but it wasn't for a smash, and it was during the time when me and uh, Kevin had our big smash feud. And I think that's our best match. Uh, but what? Like, I really don't think me and Kevin had too many bad ones. Uh, I'm sure some are better than others, but he was just a new guy that came on the scene that really got me excited, that came forth with a lot of ideas. And I love guys that uh, have a look different, have a different character, and really know how to play their character. Whereas me, like, I was playing a computer hacker, so I almost had to do research, like, what would my character do? Kevin Blackwood basically is the Kevin Blackwood he presents himself. So that opens up a lot of opportunities and whatnot there because uh, he's so confident in himself. You, you know what? You're absolutely right. Kevin does carry himself with a swagger, but he's super humble. And I think it's the same thing with you. What I loved most about this match, though, was right before they showed the match, they kind of showed the buildup to it, how you kind of pretended to be his friend. You can't trust anybody, not even your friends. And then, boom, you turn your back on him. And I just, yeah. I love I love the darkness to it. I'm a big fan of, of the dark, the characters. I mean, that's kind of wrestling 101. Oh, let's pretend to be friends, but I'm in this for a purpose, and my purpose is to end your career. It, it is wrestling 101. It's the same old storyline. But when it's done in such a fresh way, and, man, you sold it. Like that part, that one scene where he's, he's stretching in the ring, just getting ready, and you're like, yeah, you know, if you ever need this, I, I could be the guy. <laughs> Well, like, that's kind of, it was almost that feud that was starting tra to transition me out of the computer hacker and more into the cult leader, and I think that has a lot to do with, I'm a big horror movie fan, uh, so it's so easy to take so many little things from so many different movies and kind of put that in your character, and that was something else, it was new, it was fresh, that I could really kind of put my hands on and get a hold of that I was excited about, and going back to like him being who he is and who the character he portrays, I knew he'd be the perfect foe for it. So it was another thing. Uh, he also gave me lots of ideas and things we could do throughout. Um, but that was another one. Like Smash, I was very fortunate to wrestle for Smash because we were basically wrestling for them somewhere weekly and they had a weekly TV show and they had like a big Titantron they took everywhere on the road with them. So it was really, it was a different way to tell stories on the indie wrestling scene because a lot of times you're telling stories with a six-week break in between, between the next show or whatnot. But Smash Wrestling was almost running a territory and uh, they were doing almost like monthly loops. So we could really put and get a lot of work done in a short period of time. But with the Kevin Blackwood feud, we actually, even with the Brent one, we took that time and dragged it out and tried to make it, tried to really squeeze it, make the juice worth the squeeze for as long as we could. And I, I, I think that's one of the things that Smash, uh, you know, Sebastian and everybody over there, they do really well is the fact that they could build. And it, it is, you're right, it's hard to tell a story and tell a feud because it's like, okay, we set up one match and then you got a, a six week break or a seven week break. Sometimes it's two or three months before you're back in the ring again. And it's like, 
shit, where did we leave off? What did we do? How did we end this? And then you're kind of scrambling to kind of figure it out. But when you have those layers to build, it does make for great TV. And I think those, I mean, like I said, I can list your accolades all day and anybody that knows you, uh, they're going to know, you know, who you are and they're going to enjoy this interview as much as I've been enjoying it. But those two feuds to me, they stand the test of time. Like I said, two years later, and I'm still going back to that Kevin, Kevin Blackwood match, you know, five years later now, and I'm still going back to the Brett Banks match. And that shows the test of time. That shows um, the stories that can be told. That shows that literally when you are a wrestler and you can tell a story as well as you can, you're immortalized from now and forever. When you hang up your boots, whether that's six years from now, 20 years from now, when you decide to give it up, you can go back and look at these matches with fondness. And you can sit there and be like, you know what? They still hold up. And they do. And I hope that you can get to that point where you can watch your stuff back. Because those matches, <clears throat> excuse me, they stand the test of time. <clears throat> I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, talking and hearing that many compliments uh, makes me su- feel super uncomfortable. I'll throw that out there. But I, the one thing I wanted to say, you said if I wrestle for another two years or 20 years, um, I'm wrestling till I'm 60. I want to make that as solid as possible and spread that news as much as I can so I hold myself to it. I got another 30 years at least left. I'm holding myself to it. I don't care if I lose a leg. I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay with everything you just said. And if you if I made you feel uncomfortable, then I guess I got one up on the cult leader, don't I? Come join yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. Come join me. It's fun here in the Straight Talk <laughs> Studios. It is. Um, one other question, or actually two other questions I have, and then I think we'll wrap this up. Um, in terms of your career thus far and all the amazing dance partners, dance partners that you've had in the ring, is there one that you could put above all else that says that, that right there, when I know I'm going to be in the ring with that guy? Like, you've mentioned a few, but if there's one that you can narrow down, down when you know you're going to be in the ring with that guy, you know, okay, this one right here, this one's going to be fun today. Today I'm going to earn my money. Oh, um, okay, to buy me a little time, can I, can I reverse the question and say the worst person I've ever been in the ring with? Okay, I'll give you that. And then I'll circle back to the best. Okay, I just need to think about it. Fair enough. The worst person, and, uh, the worst person I've ever been in the ring with, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, probably everyone that's ever wrestled him feels the same way, uh, he's a liability to have, I, uh, he's just, uh, when, when we see him enter the locker room, we literally all groan. And uh, I don't know where he is right now. I think he went somewhere uh, for work. Wherever he went, oh, I hope he stays there. Easy Eric Kearney is the cancer on the pro wrestling body. And uh, But as for the best, hmm, who could I say? I got like, I don't want to say Del Bruno because it'll sound like I'm just fanboying over him. But Del Bruno definitely is one of the best. Uh, I have my best matches with him. Um, I'm trying to give you one that would kind of kind of surprise you. And, like Tyson Dukes is another one, but I feel like he's a lot of people's answers since he's the best ever. Somebody who's just, I get my work. Josh Alexander is another fantastic one. Um, I'm trying to give you a good answer here, something you haven't heard before. Um, hmm. this is tough, man. I ask the tough questions here on Straight Talk Wrestling. That's what this I do. Is, this is tough. I have no probably problem burying someone. I'm just trying to think of. Um, hmm. I'm sorry for the dead air. No, it's, uh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know what? 
You know what? Okay. I think I have an answer. Maybe okay. not. Okay. I think safe Travis Moore. I like it. I haven't I haven't heard that before. I, I right? I like safe I like safe Travis Moore. I think he's a fantastic talent. But you're actually the first person that's mentioned him, so that's intriguing. Let's build on that. Why why would you say that name? Well, I had his first match. Uh, he was at the show. He didn't even bring his gear, and I made him wrestle us. Uh, he's a good dude. Um, I just like guys. He really likes pro wrestling, and that really gets me excited. You know, that that's really it. You don't even have to be good. You just have to be a good guy and have a love for wrestling. And uh, that goes far with me. I, I don't know what my legacy will ever be remembered as. If people remember me as a great wrestler, that's just the cherry on top. I want people just to wrestle to remember me as uh, a good hang. That means more to me than uh, just about anything. I think that's the honest answer. I really do. I think I appreciate the answer. I respect the answer, and I like the answer. So thank you. Shout out to Safe Travis Moore if you're listening. You got Scotty O'Shea's endorsement, and that's that's there you go. that's a big deal. And is there anyone on the indie scene or any wrestler in the world that you, if you haven't wrestled, that you would love to get your hands on? And you've wrestled a lot. You've had so uh, many, uh, uh, you know, great matches. But if there's a one wrestler, even somebody coming up that you haven't worked with yet, that you would love to get in the ring, given the opportunity, you have any names that pop out? If you don't, no big deal. If it's another tough question, you know, I apologize, but I got to do my job. I got to give the people what they want. No, it's a tough question, but it's a good one. Uh, this one, people might not know him. Um, growing up, not even growing up, for years and years and years, I used to watch a backyard wrestling fed called HVWA. It was called Hunter Valley Wrestling Association. And it was out of Australia, me, Del Bruno, Rip Impact. Like, tons of us used to watch these guys. They had a ring in their backyard. They weren't like your typical backyarders that sucked. These guys were like wrestling better than the guys we were watching on the indie scene at the time and the main guy like robbie eagles came out of there uh who else did like a, a few guys came out to be super successful pro wrestlers but the main guy and the best guy his name was cj phoenix and he wrestled only for hvwa for years and then he went he disappeared and then it was only recently I've heard that he's made his return to pro wrestling. I think it's, I'm sure it's still in Australia. But I would kill my firstborn three times over for a match with CJ Phoenix in his backyard in that HVWA classic ring. Wow. Wow. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, by the way, just look up Hunter Valley Wrestling Association. They used to make music videos for all their shows. There's, like, probably over 100 if you can find them. They're phenomenal. Like... Unbelievable stuff. Wow. I'm going to have to check it out. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to have to be Googling and checking it out. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, you know what? I'm going to check it out. And if you're right, I'm going to hit you back on Instagram and be like, dude, you and CJ Phoenix, barn burner. And I'm probably going to end up saying love that. It. I'm probably going to end up you're, saying that. <laughs> you're going to love it. Well, you know what? That's It's been incredible. I've learned a lot. I've gained a lot. I've made the hacker feel uncomfortable. I mean, I think I think my Tuesday is pretty complete. I gotta say, I gotta say, and one more question, uh, if there's yeah. any fan, cause you know, you're such a fan of pro wrestling and you, you give so much to the audience when you're in that ring. If there's a young fan, boy or girl listening to this, that wants to break into the business and they wanted any piece of advice, what's one piece that a 17 year vet like you could lay down and give to them? 
I would just simply say, of course, like, um, uh, listen, you have two ears, one mouth, so listen twice as much as you speak, you know, be respectful, train hard, do all that typical bullshit things. More than anything, and I'm a big believer in this, is you have to remember to have fun. We're just play fighting in our underwear. Um, it's very easy to get a big head. It's very easy to get uh, to put a lot of unnecessary stress on yourself. It's very easy just to get caught up with it all. At the end of the day, it's scantily clad play fighting. And this is to be involved in the world of pro wrestling is a circus and it's a small world. And just don't forget to enjoy every second of it and never forget to have fun. And I truly believe that is the most important piece of advice I can give anyone. Yes, of course, be safe, protect your opponent, all those things. But we all know those things. The one thing that I still remind people to this day who have been wrestling for years is like, hey, guys, let's remember to have fun because that's all this is. That's all life is. Wow. No, that, that's great words, great piece of advice to end off this interview. The Hacker, Scotty O'Shea, I cannot thank you enough for the time. And I want to let you know now you are officially a member of the Straight Talk family. You have my number. I have yours. Anytime you want to come back on the show, it would be an absolute honor and privilege to have you back. Dude, that's great. And I will reach out to all my friends, and I will tell them to reach out to you so you don't have to go through the awkward phase of possibly messaging them. I'll let everyone know. I'll spread the good news that you're a good dude and your podcast is awesome. I appreciate that. That's huge. Man, guys, I got an endorsement from Scotty O'Shea. I'm geeking out right now. I really am. I'm geeking out. <laughs> all right. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. And I already follow you on across all the social platforms. But if you don't follow me, a follow from Scotty O'Shea would mean the absolute world. You got it as soon as I hang up. All right, brother. You enjoy the rest of your night. And like I said, the episode's going to drop in June. So reach out for it. I'll be tagging you across all the socials. And you could share, share away. And... Thank you for the endorsement. If you can get Tarrant and Brett Banks to jump on board, you would be my friend for life. I'll do it, buddy. Hopefully I'm still alive in June. I know you will be. We're all going to be alive. <laughs> and on that note, let's get corny right now and stay and say, stay safe, bro. Stay safe. Take care, buddy. All right, man. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, guys, what can I say? Scotty O'Shea, the hacker, legend, one of the best dudes in the business. I had so much fun geeking out and talking with him today. And that's what Straight Talk Wrestling is all about. And like he said, he's going to spread the news. Let everyone know how great Straight Talk Wrestling Podcast is. If you're listening to it for the first time or the 140th time, it doesn't matter. I appreciate the love and the support. Anybody new, welcome, hello. Anybody old, thank you so much for sticking around and supporting your boy. You are the Straight Talk faithful. And without you guys, I am nothing. As always, I am your host, your boy, George Mackay. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, peace, love, and wrestling. See you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh!